conferences, long agendas, big venues, always on your feet, barely getting to see the people that you want to see, and then, of course, the expense. Well, the three of us at Good Morning Hospitality are launching Good Morning Retreats. Our first retreat is this July 8th through the 10th at the Horse Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. If you go to goodmorningretreats.com, you'll find out more information about our first retreat that we're launching. We have already filled half the slots. We have 20 available and we have about 13 already filled. So make sure you go there, you apply, show your interest, and we'll get you all situated for our first ever Good Morning Retreat. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. And now back to the episode. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey everyone, I was hoping to get this message put together sooner, but things like this unfortunately take time to set up. I just want to say that the acts of war against Ukraine break my heart, and I know as a prior service member myself that my thoughts and prayers go out to everyone who's fighting the fight that they really shouldn't have to. That being said, we have been working behind the scenes with all of our podcasts and podcast partners to put a fund together in order to pay for any refugee housing and other needs that go alongside that, like food, water, and any clothing needs. Internally, many podcasts in the Hospitality FM network have voluntarily given up sponsorship money in order to donate to the cause and are working on a unified message in order to spread throughout all of our podcasts. So this is me calling out to all of our property manager friends, industry experts, and anyone knowing of those providing lodging for Ukrainian refugees seeking safety. You can contact me directly at will, with one L, W-I-L, at slicktalkmedia.com. We have an internal document that is being updated in real time. So if anyone could share this message within your network, we'd greatly appreciate it. I'm also placing in the show notes a link to our GoFundMe and landing page for Rentals to Rescue. That's rentals.torescue.com, where we're putting funds together in order to, again, provide finances for any of these lodging and relocation needs. So thank you so much for tuning into this quick message. I hope you guys are all well and safe, as I know we have tons of listeners in Ukraine and other countries in in Europe. So thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. morning hello hello how are you living the dream another day another dollar maybe another early monday morning huh yeah another <laughs> early monday morning i was so up? happy it's four o'clock in the year i just already have like well almost a day finished right so yeah and i was gonna say you're sipping on either wine or beer while we're sipping on coffee but no i just I took a coffee just before the episode just needed but actually i was Concerning to drink it during the episode because you always do, but before it started, I already finished it. So, yeah, that's the that's the issue I have too. Is like I get into the office and I'm like, all right, 
got my coffee and ready for the show, and then the coffee's gone before I even get on. So it's like, oh, great. Now I'm just gonna sit here wanting more coffee. <laughs> but uh, yeah, how's the how's your guys' week? Not too bad. Just uh, a lot of interesting things happened last week, but more more to come on all of this, of course. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I think it it's mixed feelings in the U.S. It seems like restrictions are lightening up a little bit. Numbers are getting a little bit better. But then I talk to someone in Spain or in Ireland, and and it's going the wrong direction. And lockdowns until May. So. Yeah. who knows what is going on um like i've held consistently it's easy to to plan for next week and next year but everything in between is just virtually impossible so yeah i agree it's getting uh it's i feel like we're seeing people get confident in booking because we've seen people like book a year ahead but then all the last minute booking trends are still happening like people aren't seeing like the big pace or pickup until like the day before arrival or even a couple hours before arrival. So yeah, I think it's been pretty interesting to see how it's all playing out. And of course, tying it to today's episode title, you know, is the industry ready for uh, this big burst of revenge travel? Cause nobody's gotten to travel the last, you know, 12 months. So be interesting. How's uh, things over there in uh, uh, the, are you in Poland, right? Or in Netherlands? No, I'm in Poland. Well, I should actually, the plan was to be in Holland this week. Okay. But uh, it's still, you see, a bit. It's, my parents were scared a bit. It's like the long journey and then everything. Still, this and it, this stays a bit, right? It's still a bit, the, the, it's still a bit scary. You just have to stop on the way. There's In Germany, you can't stop. There's The hotels are closed, so you have to drive it in one go. I would try to avoid flying uh, where needed. So it's, I don't know. I just I was planning to go there. At the end, I didn't go. Um, didn't see my parents for over a year now, right? So those things you just start missing now. And for a while, it was okay. This is accepted the situation, how it is, and we go through it. But now it takes so long. And I'm just more than ever, I just want to go on holiday. And what is fun to see, actually, when you're following a bit the social media, you just, it looks for me, it looks like all Dutch people, like, well, not all, but many Dutch people there in Dubai. When you see Polish people, I see them all in Tulum. I don't know, maybe it looks like if they're just choosing, they're like, they're moving different spaces and they're different areas in the world okay i don't know what's about if we see around the, the, the in the us but you see but i see that when i follow so people in the, in the netherlands i see them all ending up in dubai and i see if we're looking at for example some polish celebrities or whatever influencers they're all in tulum so i don't know maybe you got some people just moving from one country with the whole population just move to the other one and just shift a bit from cold weather to hot weather somewhere else i don't know but it's fun to see that there you see some group that is actually pretty location specific actually when you look at the population so it surprised me more and more i see this i don't see dutch people in tulum i see them in dubai and, and polish people I don't see them in dubai I see them in, in, in there so interesting cool. to see maybe it's a new trend that we just go all of in one nation let's go this nation goes there and we're shopping nations i don't know maybe it's a new trend to what will follow probably has something to do with that too um Dutch, Dutch with higher incomes able to afford Dubai. It's a very expensive city, whereas Tulum is pretty inexpensive. And yeah, uh, the flight the flight's definitely the worst part of it. So yeah, it is it is cool to see or, or interesting to see like where different regions or different countries tend to go to. Um, the Germans to Spain, for example, or the the Brits to the, the Canaries. 
Yeah, no, but it's true. You see a lot now, and that's actually surprising me. It's like when it was maybe more split and divided in many countries. Indeed, what you said, you can see indeed the the, the German ghost, for example, or the Tenedy. For you see them moving to the specific countries when they're meeting again, speak, maybe speak their own language, and still German can still have the bratwurst. I don't know, but it's I don't know you can see this this move, and then it's interesting to see actually that nationalized they're choosing to go to another country when they can see their own nationalities again. So maybe it's a new trend. We'll see. If yes, we'll discuss yeah. it at a different time again. Let's say next week's episode, we'll do that. But um, I think what we'll do is just right now get right into the bid eruption report and then what's with all the noise and we'll kick it off. Yeah, this week is a different kind of startup. We're discussing startups who are raising hundreds of millions of euro. This one is, is different, but I think it's really worth to be mentioned. I, mean, I want to mention Kytro. Actually, I saw Naomi McKenzie speaking, I think, one and a half year ago on the World Tourism Forum um, conference. And actually, she's explaining, like, okay, how uh, restaurants could actually reduce uh, food waste. I think it's really important to be said that it's actually is really important. And, and of course, there's a lot of competition out there, but I think every initiative is good. And I was trying to find some numbers, what, what they actually achieve. And they, because of the technology, they build in some hardware, which you can install next to your, to your bins. And then, Actually, it scans actually the meals you're throwing away. So you can, it really helps you making decisions. So it makes you, okay, I can see that you're throwing away a lot of meat, maybe order less meat, I can see, et cetera. So they give you a lot of analysis and data. So it's all focused on data analysis and, and actually recommend you, advise you what to do. So you can actually optimize your pricing, you can optimize your inventory. Um, I think they have 60 places now with which implement their technology. Uh, but it was really impressive that they saved over 250,000 meals. So imagine this food waste is, it's, we all know like how much w uh, food is wasted every year. And I think it's really important companies like, like Kytro, which is located in Switzerland. Uh, and, and again, there are many out there that they'll be good, they're going to be used. So I hope when uh, the restaurant goes open again, they're looking more in sustainability and food waste management. So again, Kaito, congrats by, by being the startup of the week. Next week, I've got a really interesting one as well. So for sure, check check next week. When look at the events, actually, it's still a bit, those months, it's a bit more quiet. I just got an invitation to teach, uh, to give a masterclass for over 1,300 students. I think somewhere next week or week after. So you can see this starting a bit now. Uh, now we can see within Bidroom, it's, it's, it's busy. It's actually, you can see more partnerships are more willing to, to, to partner than before. So it's a nice period. I think everybody's now settled a bit. January was always a bit like restart. I think now everybody's full speed and uh, let's go full speed next to uh, the grandma of, uh, of Golden. That was a fast version of grandma this time. Um, so there's a, a really interesting article that, that came out last week, kind of riding the, the curtails of Airbnb's historic IPO. And that was a, a rumor that Barry Diller of Expedia might be considering rolling off Verbo for its own IPO. And there's definitely some pros and cons to doing this. Uh, Airbnb's valuation went from somewhere in the 
30s, 30 billion to about 80 billion. And I think it's continuing to rise since it IPO'd. Expedia bought Verbo for less than $4 billion, I think about four years ago. And it's, it's certainly worth more now, especially during the pandemic, during the crisis, as the Verbo brand has been pretty much all over the place, you know, whether it's TV or, or social or, or any internet ads, um, they're out there serving uh, primarily North America. But if they can spin off Verbo and get $15, $20 billion from it, then that's uh, a pretty big plus. But then it probably hurts the Expedia valuation price. So in this case, I'm sure they're doing the math to make sure one plus one equals three. And, and if it doesn't, then it, it probably makes sense to keep it in-house at Expedia. Uh, for perspective, Tesla trades at more than a thousand X multiple, uh, where GM, one of its biggest competitors, is trading at about 18X. And would we see that same effect with Airbnb and Verbo? Uh, I don't necessarily think that would be the case. I think Verbo would, would have a stronger brand uh, than GM, for example. Uh, but it's certainly not going to be trading at a 1,000x multiple like a, a Tesla. So it, it'll be interesting to see the, the news coming out with this decision over the coming weeks or months. It's probably an opportunistic thing. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen during covid uh, otherwise, it probably just makes sense to, to hold on to it with the Expedia brand. But time will tell. And it was uh, an interesting headline that caught my eye. So I'm sure a lot of people are taking a look at it. Yeah, I'm definitely taking a look. I'm just thinking of the fact of owning zero property and having that type of crazy IPO. Um just the the overall effect. And so to see Verbo go that route would be quite interesting because we kind of talked before the recording was, uh, you know, Verbo is not really like an uh, international brand in the sense like Airbnb is. A lot of people in different countries use Airbnb a lot more and it's more known. So I'm kind of curious to get your guys' thoughts and but yeah. also going to the going to the question like of, of the topic for, for this episode it's as well. It's a generational thing. Uh, I, I've used all the platforms in various capacities. My parents have only ever booked on Verbo. Uh, my brother has probably only ever booked on Airbnb. So it's really um, a, a generational gap. And Verbo, especially with longer stays and work from homes and, and, and all the trends that have been going on right now, have, have capitalized really well. Nicer houses, higher take rates or, or higher um, rents lead to Verbo doing really, really well during the pandemic. So if they are going to roll off, it's probably got to be sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, and I think they're, they're hammering home where they're good at, which is the family traveler, which is, you know, the people looking for destination markets with single family homes, maybe a pool, you know, again, higher price rate than a urban one bedroom condo and, you know, on an Airbnb platform. So I, it's, it'll be interesting to track 
there there historically has been a clear line of delineation between a Verbo traveler and an Airbnb traveler, but mm-hmm. we'll see uh, in the future how those blend or mix or who who starts to grab what market share from one another. I'm curious well, on inventory. Said, right? You made the, the comparison with Tesla. You can see if you're looking at the revenue of Tesla compared with GM or the other car brands, it's minimal. But if you look at the valuation of and the value of the market cap of Tesla, it's much more than all them together. And well, if Verbo is not popular in here in Europe at all, um, I think also with this whole story around Airbnb, they did extremely well. It's a typical startup story, the way they started. It's, it's a completely different image, right? It's a San Francisco story. Uh, they're in, they're this whole startup image, and you were looking for like, a, they, had a, they had an airbag, they don't rent it to somebody else. It's a story. And I think people buying the story, and the story of Furbo is like, oh, it's sold to Airbnb, it's sold to Expedia, and I try to make some money with IPO. So I think it's completely different the the approach and i think it's you can see what everything is well you see some trend now in the us when people starting heavenly or in 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 a game store in a game shop right it's more like a trend and people are following and it's overhyped and i think it was the same of course what happened with with airbnb because if you're looking realistically the valuation is insane still if you're looking at the current uh uh, share price it's insane right is it really worth so much money i don't know can be discussed but the other hand I think it's all because people, when they're investing in something, they just want to go, tomorrow must be more, more worth than yesterday. And that's what they see with Tesla. It's called giving up. It's a trend and, and up and up and up. And what, what would you call a trend, Michael? Because Tesla has been at a thousand, they've averaged a thousand X multiple over the past five years. Like, yeah. is that a trend? How long does a trend last? Because that seems to be steady, not a, a, a trend for me would be, Six months or, or maybe a year, not five. Long trend. No, but and again, <laughs> and they see it's still going up. They say, okay, if I buy, I see it going up for three years or two years, it might go up then tomorrow as well. And that's what people see, right? So at the end, at the end, once there will be to a collapse somehow, um, and it will be the same, I think, also with Airbnb, it will go down once, right? It still quite goes up a bit. I think it eventually will go down. Uh, it could be massively. It's... But still, I think it's all around so much around image. And it's the same when we were bedroom fundraising in the beginning. It's in the image, storytelling, and everything. And the storytelling of Airbnb was amazingly, right? The valuation of the, it was much higher than before they went, uh, before they went, uh, when with IPO was much higher than before COVID, when there's almost zero, well, less bookings. They still have some compared with the hotel. So I think still storytelling is really important. Um, so I think we should move well, soon to the. The, to the to the main uh, topic of today. Well, I was just going to say the the one the one thing I would like to compare from both platforms is the amount of inventory because I know Verbo is the whole home rental type style, the the more I guess uh, quality product, and then versus Airbnb where people can do multiple rooms in their house or they can do uh, a, you know a single small apartment or the condo and there's all this big variety so i wonder the comparison to what the amount of inventory versus quality of inventory you know compared to the ipo and a few other things like that the valuation but that's just me thinking from from both perspectives of hotel and yeah, vacation that's take. if if one room on verbo is a thousand bucks and one room on airbnb is 200 bucks it's yeah even if they have five times the inventory, is it is it the same? Is it equal? Yeah, exactly. it's an interesting take. 
I'm not sure anyone's live. Good morning, hospitality, a bit more so then uh, we can see what's the valuation of this show. Think it makes sense? Thousand X multiple for sure. Yeah, thousand <laughs> X. Well, so this is so this is a cool topic because uh, when we were talking prior to the recording, um, it got me thinking of a conversation I have a friend with um, in Australia who they depend on for their worker, like their workforce for a lot of restaurants and cafes and uh, hotels and other um, hospitality venues is, is from overseas, um, you know, um, workers, people that are on visas, people that are either with schooling programs and a bunch of other stuff. But with the way that their, their country is right now, they just have no workforce. There's just no one. People are starting to open up, but they can't hire because there's really, uh, nobody there. So it goes to the question of uh, we can apply it to the, you know, globally, not just Australia, but with the skeleton crews that a lot of hotels and restaurants are running on, um, not so much on like the drive through capacity, because a lot of, I think, restaurants are doing pretty good if they're, you know, Starbucks or a few other, you know, drive through locations that people, at least in America, can still do their service and not dine inside. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. If we're ready for revenge travel, will we know when re revenge travel is going to take off? Will it just happen and we'll wake up and we'll have thousands of people or hundreds of people outside our doors? Like, what's that look like? And so I'm kind of uh, curious to hear your guys' thoughts on, you know, is this something that we can predict? And if so, how can, you know, venues, hotels, restaurants prepare? Well, I think as you see, a lot of people moved, right? A lot of people work in the restaurants. They had to find a different job. They're just working maybe in healthcare, maybe in different sectors. So a lot of people stepped away out of hospitality. I think before it was one out of 10 people working in hospitality. Most layoffs or, or fires was actually, most layoffs was actually in hospitality. So I think it was time for his recovery. Maybe if the restaurant goes obviously slightly, less, less, maybe less guests could be in the, in the restaurant. It will help a bit. But I think it's going to be challenging, and it, especially the people who were serving for years, who has great experience in hospitality, and, and um, this will be this will be challenging. You might see new shift. It will be a new generation of people in hospitality, and I think it will it will be challenging. I think there's because you see before a lot of professionals as well, right? It was, a, it was because it's a profession. You have to be the way you're just treating your guests and you're uh, serving them i think it's 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 a specialty it's it's a profession and now you might get people who just never did before or just gonna have to be skilled in a few days and i think there will be a lot of reskilling and upskilling while well, we mentioned once of course hotel school as a for example as a platform yeah I think, but you see also if you're looking at the more traditional schools for example when you really had people going to a campus for years to really say okay how to serve them how to put the cutlery those people are just out of business and those schools are also pretty many of them are close now as well. So I think the really the, the, the professionals in hospitality, many of them dis will disappear. So um, yeah. I don't know, it might be differently than, than before, than, and especially in hotels. And then I give the word to, to Golden. I think what you're seeing some shift in hotels that people taking multiple roles. And I think that might happen as well, right? You see more in mm -hmm. restaurants, it's more, more difficult. But I think in hotels, the people taking a general role, they're, they're helping with serving guests. And then meanwhile, they're moving maybe to the restaurants in the evening. And in the meanwhile, they can can uh, bring the room services needed. So there might be some some changes there. But yeah, I think the hospitality sector is is going to yeah. be completely different. New people. I think it's a, a two part question. Uh, uh, there's no doubt that it's going to return, and then when it does return, 
it's not going to ramp up equally as fast as it ramps down, but it is going to ramp up pretty quickly. It'll go from 10% occupancies to 40 to 60. And we probably won't get, you know, much past that for, for a little while until business travel has really returned also. But it's a two-part question in, in that the skilled labor is going to be the challenge to replace, right? Uh, saw an article this morning about airlines worried about pilots. You know, they they um, they downsized their pilot base, whether it was early retirements or uh, just furloughing them permanently, getting you know, cutting them, uh, or what? Like, who, who knows where these pilots are going? Like, you're a pilot. There's not much else to. The, the I think the same with your pilot. You're spending hundred thousands of euros or dollars in your education to become a pilot. Yeah, but I, mean, take, it, I would say take a GM of a hotel, right? They've they've learned this for many many years. You don't just walk out of school and become a GM. Yeah. And where did where have they gone? Wherever they can get work, and, and then what happens now that they're employed somewhere else, but there's no GM when when this hotel opens up. So the second part of it, skilled labor is is first to keep it keep an eye on how many of those come back. The next is how many jobs have been cut or replaced by technology. Yeah, and you know I think hotels are moving towards a contactless check in, which means you, you probably don't need three or four front desk agents at a time working. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how hotels come back. For check-in, I'm I'm traveling this week for work, and I'm staying in a, a rental, and I've already got my app to unlock my door, and I'll know my room number a few hours before check-in, and I'll just walk in and walk straight to to my door. Like it, it's a little bit flat. It, it it blows my mind that hotels haven't done that yet. Well, I think like. For the whole COVID period already, or they just implemented now because that's what's what's happening, right? You see a lot of accommodations, they move into contactless, yeah. etc. I think it's, so, it's accelerated, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to Dallas and I've stayed with this one group. Actually, I think they're part of Bidroom, um, the Guild. I, it's right by our office. I've stayed with them for three years since I've been at, at Noiseware. Uh, it's steps from our our office so it's always been like here's your room here's your uh, access code but now it's it's a step better where i just literally use my phone to unlock it there's no access codes touching other keypads or, or anything there's no front desk or anything to walk into it's here's your room here's how you get in like picture this is the door you walk into this is the floor you press this is the like it's it's super super detailed and it's foolproof, right? Like it, as long as you open it up and follow it step by step, you're getting into your room and you don't have to wait in line and you don't have to go interact at a front desk. Well, this is a thing like we've talked about, right? I think you'll more and more see that you can order by your own phone or there's a tablet, but I think ideally with your own phone, you scan the QR table on the on the uh, the QR code on the table. And you're ordering your food. And so, yes, you might need less people as well, because in this case, nobody has to take the order. Just making the order by yourself and they just deliver the food and maybe even pick it up somewhere in a central place, close to the bar because you get informed. 
So this it will change, right? I think at the end you might do the complete operation with less people, if they especially if they are also implementing those kind of things. So I think you'll see a difference as well in the in the in the restaurants. The other yeah. hand is still yeah. charm. Right. It's still the charm, right? If you want to go to the restaurant, it's still the charm that somebody's coming to your table to ask you what kind of food. You ask them, okay, what do you recommend? Whatever. This personal interaction is something you're still gonna miss. I think when it's gonna be replaced by uh, by phones well, or something like this. I'm I'm seeing a change. Like so, this we're talking about, you know, less front desk, less you know, human interaction, or less you know, uh, staffing in the sense of just overall automation with tech, and then also the how many people that were laid off or furloughed, will they return to hospitality? Will they even consider it if they've been unemployed or, um, you know, been in a different career or job field this whole time? Who knows? But my thing is like now I think it gives us a perfect opportunity to get back into that kind of concierge experience where, yes, we don't have, you know, maybe as many front desk people working, but we have people on standby ready to go that do have that great local recommendation that are able to help you with, you know, certain things at the building or even just getting a, a simple Uber or order delivery or who knows, Instacart. Uh, we have that more concierge uh, service that's able to be provided. I'm hoping that's the way because as a front desk like operator myself or a previous front desk operator um, is that I wish I had more time for that type of interaction versus the check-in, the transaction, the, the all these other things that we've talked about. But can't someone like that do the same thing for five different hotels and work from home and just answer these calls, the guest calls? Or, or texts or I think it could be a hybrid. It could be both. It should, I think it should be, you know, there should always be at least one person on property. I, you know, I've checked in hundreds of people by myself on accident because, you know, we forecasted wrong and we had, you know, 10% occupancy at a 700 hotel room uh, property. And then all of a sudden I'm by myself that morning and there's a convention last minute that no one in sales told everybody and we had hundreds of people check in and I was by myself. So it's like, I think there should always be that. Like there's always that one person that can be there and be that go-to for when things are slow. Yeah, and in case they, it, then you don't have to worry about it. Right. Then, uh, then I disagree. I, I disagree. So there's, you know, there's, you're the best at multitasking anyway. So you could handle. <laughs> I, was say, I, I, I disagree with that type of volume being automated. I don't know if it's possible, especially when there's lack of communication from different departments. But on the, the regular day-to-day, -day, I think a lot of it could be automated. A lot of it could be like how a vacation rental... Huh? A book comes in and they get their room key and their, their access and, and the instruction on how to check in. Like Whether no, it's exactly. one person or a thousand, like it's automated and doesn't matter the volume. No, exactly. I it just depends on especially the property and like, but like vacation rentals, like for property managers, we do that all the time. We have guidebooks, we have, um, you know, the automated lock systems that integrate with reservation and PMS. Like that's, that's a common practice. That's, that's kind of like, you know, if you're not doing that, you're. Oh, you so some places you just go because of the hospitality, right? I mentioned the restaurant exactly. is something you just want to go. You don't want to use the QR code, the whole experience. It's an evening out. If you're just need, needing your room because you just need it for sleep, you don't care. You just with, with the phone, check in by it itself. But like Michael said, he has to go for work. It's not for the experience. It's just more for convenience. Then it's different. But when you still yeah. go and you just, we, we discussed before about Tulum or about uh, Dubai, if you really go to like a summer destination, it's the whole experience and you're looking forward to, then you must be kind of an interaction with people around there because as you go to different country, you just want to have some interaction, the culture and everything. So... 
I think this should not be replaced, even though it might be possible. I prefer to not do it in those kind of places. If it's a city hotel, just want to sleep for a night, it's for business. Okay, it makes sense. So I think there's also yeah. depends a bit of the property, but I don't hope it, in, in restaurants that I mentioned that this will be replaced. And maybe yeah. already a nice teaser to, to next week before I forget to mention, um, we talk about changes of roles. The, the startup of next week, so for sure tune in, is actually a former GM of a famous hotel in London. And actually he started a startup actually in COVID period. And now he has built something amazingly. I can't tell what, so tune in next week. But it's another example, right? If people just moving, they give the opportunity to starting their company to move in different areas, still in hospitality, but moving from being a GM to something different. And that's what you see now as well. So indeed, you're going to miss people soon when recovery starts. Yeah, and how many people that are furloughed, like when they get asked to come back, actually go back? Uh, that's another yeah. question mark, right? So yeah. We'll I, I, I'm curious if anyone's listening to this show or like watching it, if you're in the industry and been furloughed or laid off, um, are you going to go back? I think we should find a way to do like a, some massive survey, but I wish we could. Actually, I know of, I'll, I'll find a survey that's already been done. I, I know a company, so we can find out the details, probably see what, what people say, but um, yeah, crazy times. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the answer to the question of will the industry be ready for this revenge travel is yes. And hopefully the answer to the question of will the staff, you know, be prepared? Will, you know, restaurants and other things like that be able to get their their solid team back? Fingers crossed. And hopefully, yes. Yeah. Hope so. All right, guys. Well, we're coming up on that 30 minute mark like we always do. Anything last uh, that you guys would like to leave the audience that's viewing currently live or listening in later? Anybody going once, twice? I'm looking no, forward to right. next week already. So it's like, it's fun this Monday morning. So next week, another <laughs> nice startup. And it's, it's so much happening nowadays. And, and again, I hope things will recover. And it's still a crazy period in here. You see it getting a bit more loose in Europe. Let's hope then that the trend will go down less, less, uh, less cases. And uh, fingers crossed. And uh, see you all next week again. All right. See you guys next week.